your blood. Well, you've come to the right place. Yarnum is the home of blood ministration. You only need unravel its mystery. But where's an outsider like yourself to begin? On the backlog breakdown. To the backlog breakdown. Uh, we are your co-hosts, Josh and Nate. Um, t- thanks for coming this week. We appreciate you plugging us into your ear holes every time you do. Um, today, we are going to be talking about a strange, strange, dark, uh, somewhat, I don't know, psychotic game. Uh, a game that that masochists enjoy a lot. That, that might turn you into a masochist. Slightly. When it comes to video games, at least. I don't know. Uh, That game is called Bloodborne, as I'm sure you know by the title of the episode. Uh, But welcome. Here we are. We're going to jump into Bloodborne in just a moment. But before we do that, hey, hey, Nathaniel. Whoa. How's how's your Fortnite been? Uh, Well, you used my full name, (laughs) and that threw me off. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, if you had thrown a middle in there, I would have been like, "Uh, I, I didn't do it. Whatever, unless it was good. It wasn't me. Unless it was a good thing, then, then I might have done that. Unless it was a good thing, I wasn't supposed to do, and then I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, pretty good, man. Uh, as as of the time of this recording, I have mm-hmm. transitioned back to just carrying one route. Okay. Um, yep. Now I am sort of still picking up a good bit of overtime, and it does sort nice. of shuffle my schedule around a little bit. It's it's nice. It it was it's a route where I know a lot of the customers and they they like me and they're glad to have me uh, back. And so it's it's nice to it's nice hey. to feel wanted, Josh. It's nice yeah. to feel wanted. It's true. It does I got, feel good. I did get this sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing it. I don't know nice. if you can see. It's a my Slightly. Ultraman T-shirt came. Yes, awesome. Like, like I'm I'm just sort of like leaning into that. Nerd. I actually picked mm-hmm. up my uh, my issue number one, Rise of the Ultraman, with yeah. that sweet, sweet Alex Ross variant cover. Beautiful. Um, it, do, yeah. He just does the cover. He doesn't do the art for the no. For but volume. the the okay. arts, the art in the actual is. I I can't remember who who the uh, the penciler and the inks are, but it, mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty good. I mean, nice. it's I like it. Sweet. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm I'm so sort of like I'm like I like Ultraman. I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> and it's on the okay. It's it's more than okay. It is good. <laughs> it's good. How are you, man? How are you? I'm I'm doing great. Um, it's been a good it's been a good couple of weeks. It's been kind of weird. We'll get to it in the um, backlog report. Haven't been playing very much, but that's because I've been busy with it's weird it's like i've been busy with relaxing i I don't know that that makes any sense lots more like social stuff i took off a couple days of work and we actually went um about an hour away and just got a little airbnb um over by what's called a lake um but around here lakes are not i mean it's sort of a river kind of a thing it's we we took our kids out to the lake uh, or to the beach, excuse me, the beach, <laughs> like, uh, and like, it was the uh, lake. The, uh, the, he's throwing he's throwing like the most pronounced air quotes, air quotes I've ever seen. It was it was an ugly beach. 
but it's like my kids were super excited to go. So we were like, yeah, this is the beach. There's a little bit of sand here among all the rocks um, and all the trash (laughs) that people are leaving all over here. Like it, it, it was a crappy beach, but we had a great time. Does that make sense? Like yeah. my kids don't know any better and we're just like, oh, like this is not going to stop us from having a good time kind of a thing. I mean, it was raining half the time we were there. It uh, got really cold yeah. one of the days. So they were like freezing when they were getting out of the water. Um, but we had a great time. Like that was that was the whole point. What were you going to say? Your story reminded me of, I, I have this very distinct memory as a kid. It's sort of like, it's like, it was like 50 feet long and maybe went back about like 10 foot. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just sort of like the sand that it, it, I think almost like somebody must must have just like trucked it in and dumped it by this <laughs> pond. <laughs> yeah. And, but it was like, I remember like visiting, like spending time with some like family friends or something at this like mm-hmm. state park and there was a beach and it was like very much the same thing. It was like, it was like, it wasn't really much of a, but you know, your kids and you're like, yeah, water Exa- beach. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like. And now I'd be looking at the thing going, oh, no. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. No. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was totally that. Both my kids, uh, the ones who are old enough to actually say anything about it, uh, they both love the water just in general. Mm-hmm. So so they had, a, they had a great time. We all had a great time. It's just like y- you can let stuff like that get to you, you know, if you really want to. Mm-hmm. But like the whole point was to get away and just, just chill. You know, my wife's been pretty much locked in the house because she's got, you know, we have a new baby. And uh, on top of that, two other little munchkins. So it's just difficult to even go out. So this was intentionally just like, hey, let's just change it up. I've got a bunch of time off that I haven't used. Like, let's just, let's just try it. You know, let's just go. And so like, yeah, our plans got changed and it was weird it's weird that we we decided to go out to the lake like on pretty much the coldest days of the the summer like it got <laughs> it got into like the 50s and it's raining you know so it's just wow. like it, with lots of wind and so it's just like this is so weird and we're just kind of chilling in this airbnb but but like you just don't let that get to you like no we're yeah. having a great time <laughs> you know See, this is, i'm, this is I'm actually is. sort of rejoicing at the cooler weather Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we yeah. actually just we got a load of firewood, so I'm gonna yeah. be. I'm entering into fireplace season. Mm-hmm. Like nice, rubbing my hands together gleefully. Um, I dig it. So, I dig it, yeah. man. Yeah. So there was that, and then just just spending time with. Uh, we had some friends come into town from out of state, which was nice. super cool. Yeah, found out they were pregnant, so that was exciting. Oh, that's good. It's it's their first. They've been married something like six or seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's exciting for them. Uh, had some other, yeah, just hanging out, doing a lot of like social events and things like that. Um, my son's birthday was today. And, oh, uh, that's right. I saw, I saw Sam p- posted something. Yeah. Yeah. He turned five today, which is crazy that I've been a dad, you know, out of the womb, uh, for five years, which is, yeah, it's just, it's weird. Um, I still feel like a child and I have a few children. Hmm. Strange. Um, hmm. We'll talk more about that when we get into Bloodborne. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, sort of. It made, it made you <laughs> revert to like childhood trauma. And- <laughs> and, well, I mean, the, the, the story has a lot to do with like birthing other things and yeah, just all kinds of weirdness. Um, but anyways, I was yeah, just, just making a joke there. But no, it's been a good two weeks. Um, it's Yeah, it's been kind of a blur, but for good reasons. 
Um, yeah. It's like, you know, things don't ever slow down even when, when you're just chilling out, especially when you have children. But um, no, it was great. It's been, it's been great. So I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, good, man. Good. 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 <laughs> so rolling right in, if you want to. Yeah, uh, let's just let's let's just here. get into it. Oh, oh, that was loud. Oh man. That's a good one. Um, yes. A good one. So, like I said, don't have much to report on. Uh, really, I've just been playing Donkey Kong a little bit here and there. I probably finished a, a world or two since last time, um, and then just played a tiny bit of God of War. And that's really it. Um, well, I say that outside of that, if if we were to to count it, we did. So my son has has been saying that you know every two weeks he changes what he wants for his birthday, uh, but he's been excited <laughs> for his birthday for a while. But the one thing that's been somewhat consistent is he said that I don't know how he got it in his head. Probably some shows that he watches or whatever. But he's wanted a robot. So a few months ago, uh, Costco had a sale on the Nintendo Labos. It was it was the robot kit and the VR okay. kit. It was like twenty five bucks for both of them. So it's been sitting in our garage for the past few months, and we busted out the robot one, and uh, we we made that you know gave it to him for his birthday a few days early because we actually oh yeah that was another thing that we did we went out to the the San Antonio Zoo which is about an hour away uh, and that's a lot of fun it's a really cool zoo um, and on that day we decided to give him that present and so we we. Spent a couple days just like putting it together and whatever. And uh, so playing with the robot model of Nintendo Labo, it's fun. It's And it's a good little family activity too. Um, so you've got basically, it, you wear this backpack and this thing on your head and you put the Joy-Cons in both of them. And then you strap the, the straps to your feet and you hold on to these arm things. And when you lift your feet, the robot moves around and you... I was watching the video of, nice. of you mm-hmm. sort of plopping around and yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's like not really VR VR sort of not really on on the TV, you know, just because your actual motions have something to do with the way that it's going on the TV. So it, yeah. it's it's pretty neat. Um even it, if it is it looks you know, just it looks mini fun. Games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so really, I mean, that's all we've been playing. I've been playing because I wanted to play some more God of War this weekend. I wanted to, but I wanted to also, uh, you know, since we're talking about Bloodborne, I thought I'd, I'd pick it up again because I haven't played it in months because I finished it, you know, the first mm-hmm. playthrough. And man, uh, it it got... I don't even know the right expression. I was going to say under my skin, but that's a bad expression. I just mean I started playing it. Would and you I was say like, it got into your blood? Yeah, oh, there you go. That's exactly mm. what it did. It got into my blood, and so I just i I couldn't stop. Every time I was able to play a game, I just wanted to fire up some more Bloodborne. Um, so put, I mean, probably five or so hours over the weekend between a couple different saves. Okay. Um, so enjoy that. Like basically just took down the cleric beast in new game plus and then started a new game and took it down in, uh, in that game as well. So with a different build. So yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that, but, but that's basically all that I've played. So not much. Um, in terms of reading, I finished the, uh, Atlas shrugged. Okay. So 
Yeah, and and I totally see what you were saying uh, in the Discord. I think you mentioned it on our last episode as well. Is that uh, it? I think it has a compelling vision, but I think it also uh, I, I on the opposite end of the spectrum from like Karl Marx, where mm-hmm. I think he also had a compelling vision. The problem is that humanity doesn't work the way that he thinks it does. And I think Rand makes that problem in the opposite direction of like, she assumes that everyone is, uh, well, everyone's the same person basically. And we all have these high ideals and we're all going to work really hard. And well, no, she doesn't assume that, but she, she assumes that that's what people should be. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, this is what I'll say about objectivism, which is the mm-hmm. Randian uh, position and, and Marxism, is that, yes, they are so, sort of two uh, extremes, communism, Marxism, whatever. Like, they mm-hmm. are two sort of like, op- they are polar opposites, mm-hmm. but they suffer from the same problem, is that there are actually good ideas that are sort of couched in them, mm-hmm. like- caring for people and value like dude one of the the reasons that like just that marxism sort of arose was because the abuse of the working class Mm -hmm. and it was as a response to that which is a problem that we have here in in america and you and i've sort of talked about like we as a culture do not respect good we don't respect labor Mm -hmm. we just don't and so but every it's like it's like so they they identify and like with Rand, uh, she identified a few things, but just they, they identify a problem and then they have these solutions that just like this is what kills me, okay? And 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 I try not to get super political, but everybody who's sort of pushing for like this Marxist agenda or any sort of this, like I don't think they understand that the word utopia means like literally something along the lines like a place that doesn't exist right yeah so even in land or something yeah like Mm -hmm. even in naming it utopia it's sort of a saying like this is the an impossible thing Mm -hmm. but but we're all like no we can make utopia and i'm like no you can't (laughs) nope like you know it's like yeah uh, you know and my head kind of just like i probably had a mild aneurysm there and I'm just like <laughs> it's like but it just sort of goes to like you know people just sort of like like sort of wear their ignorance on their sleeve and they're like we can fix and like the problem is like it's just it's human nature we're like we can fix all these problems i'm like no we can't because the ultimate right. solution the ultimate fix and i'm not trying to, to to belittle this but jesus is the only working solution for all of this and it's only mm-hmm. actually going to get fixed and addressed perfectly uh, when he returns and establishes, you know, the kingdom eternal, mm-hmm. and um, or fulfills rather the the the, the kingdom eternal, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, it's it, it's it's one of those things that like objectivism is interesting, yeah, and that's all it is, and yeah. the, there might even be like a a thing or two that you can take from it and say this isn't bad. But the most of it, most of it is just like, just throw it out. Like, it's interesting. Hmm. Okay, move on. Like, 
It's like interesting thought experiments, but then I, I mean, like one of the problems I have with objectivism is that it treats greed as a virtue, mm-hmm. right? And right. sort of, and so in sort of even in addressing Marxism, Marxism sort of is the polar opposite of that, and mm-hmm. says like you can own nothing, and it's right. everything needs to be for everybody else, mm-hmm. and. Both of those are incredibly pro- like just when it comes to property rights and things like that. Like mm-hmm. the, both of those are incredibly problematic positions to hold. Yeah, like incredibly and, problematic. And it's interesting. I would say, uh, like, so it's a work of fiction, and it, it does it presents objectivism in a way that is very compelling uh, for the most part. It's like when you layer that on top of the real world, though, um, it's like, oh, no, th- then you start to see a lot of the problems. And uh, I-, I do think there, yeah, there were a number of things throughout the book that that I was like, oh, that's a really good point. I like how that's laid out. Like, th- th- she does make some really good points. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say is that the the other thing is that within this story the character kind of the hero characters right the ones that are are the most um the, the living in this ideal this ideal of objectivism are very much like uh are idealistic to a point that like if there is any part of you that does not agree with this um it's in contradiction to everything else and, and like it is very extreme you can't just have some like you have to drink the Kool-Aid if that makes sense. Like there's no room for nuance. Right. Exactly. Like nuance is seen as a, uh, almost betrayal of these ideals, uh, which I mean, you see in any extremist group. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think it wants to, it, yeah, it paints it as virtuous, um, which is weird. Another thing that stuck out to me as much as I enjoyed the story overall and and some of the things that it was saying, another thing that stuck out to me is Rand throughout this story has a very low view of marriage. <laughs> like yeah. the characters who are married are horrible. Are, are um uh, like their marriage is is always always a bad thing for this person who's in this marriage, and the the way that love is pictured is like is it doesn't have any commitment <laughs> like well, the love interests are like because you reflect back to me the, the the i mean the main character of the book has multiple men that she has love affairs with and it never says that it, there's anything wrong with that fact that she goes from person to person and the people who are in marriages. Yeah. They're just, they're just horrible. And it, in it, I mean, I get it in that they're both, they're kind of ideologues. The characters are at least. And so that plays out in their marriages. Well, I get that. Mm-hmm. I, I would just sort of say like, I think a lot of that though too has to do with like some of the basic underpinnings and tenets of objectivism, right? Which is everything is transactional Everything mm-hmm. needs to be leveraged. Everything is is either profitable or it's 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 either useful and profitable and therefore needs to be exploited or it's just discarded. Mm-hmm. And 
So when you reduce human relationships to, and you, you sort of like use that as the, the metric to govern and define human relationships, well, you're just going to use people. Like it's, it's right. love isn't actually a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. It's like, as long as this person sort of like makes me feel what I want to feel, it's not self-sacrificial. It's, there's nothing that, that is it, it, in that particular context is, is solely about the individual. And again, that's like, this is sort of the, the dangers of transactional relationships. I mean, yeah. it's like when you look at people as, as things or you know, even if you sort of it it devalues the human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. So. Yeah. And and what you said. Yeah. Even self sacrifice is seen as a vice um, because it's because it makes less of the other person uh, it, within this idea of objectivism. And so, I mean, as you mentioned on the last episode, she does make some very good critiques because often when we paint our lives as all self-sacrifice, um, it's really, we're not being true. We're not, or excuse me, we are not uh, being honest. That's the right word. We're not being honest with ourselves because often um, when we say we're being virtuous, it's virtue signaling, right? Or when mm-hmm. we, you know, I'm in this relationship because, um, you know, out of self-sacrifice and, and you know, I'm trying to, to help you kind of a thing. It's, it's, like, cause it's, we're trying it's performative. to performative. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, it, it, it's not that both are true. It's that, um, there's an element of self-sacrifice in, in true relationship. Like, I mean, honestly, yeah, the Christian ideal, <laughs> right. Um, Jesus sacrificed for his people. Um, so, so we do place a high value on that. Um, but we also see our highest value, yeah, is God. And so that is outside of ourselves. It's not within ourselves. Uh, there, there's even a whole diatribe against um, original sin within the book that I was just like, Ugh, yeah, yeah, you're kind of um, logically trying to get around something um, that is, from your vantage point, it comes uh, after your presuppositions have already been stated kind of a thing. And and yeah, it's it's getting pretty blasphemous at that point. But anyways, I, I don't mean to talk, uh, you know, 10 minutes yeah. on this book. I did, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it paints things in, in a very compelling way, but it also has some real, um, dark points. Some of the things that, that are espoused within it are just like, uh, yeah, are are unhealthy, <laughs> I will say. Um, and it, but a lot of, like you said, it's critiques are also very good as well. Um, mm-hmm. So you do have to, not that you have to find a middle ground, but eat the meat and spit out the bones is basically what I'm saying. So yeah. um, I enjoyed it. And then I started up another book the other day, uh, just because I'm friends with Wes on uh, Goodreads. And uh, he had finished a, a book by Thomas Sowell. It's basically like his, his memoir, <laughs> okay. his biography, which which has been really good. And uh, it's oh. called A Personal Odyssey by Thomas Sowell. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a good, so Thomas Sowell is an economist. He's a black man. And so uh, seeing and he him- he is not very popular with the woke crowd. Right, right. Yeah. He's not, 
but actually one thing that I've I've recognized like reading this is he he doesn't pull his punches in terms of the way that people treat him because he's black. Um his his upbringing like he was raised in Harlem, <laughs> which is kind of funny to say. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh and even he has a very strong kinship with the black community in general. Um, and, yeah. and so like, he just, he has this sense. And I say that because that is not my personal experience because frankly, I'm a mutt. Like I'm, um, I'm Mexican, I'm Italian and I'm Irish and I don't have like strong ties to any of those. Like it, it's just, it's just not in me. Um, so it's another, it's another person's experience that I, like don't personally relate to, but it's helping me kind of understand, okay, like some people do see it this way, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's just an immediate kind of kinship. And I mean, it make, it it makes sense within minority groups because they're not the majority, right? So, um, I mean, I think that's kind of an easy explanation for it, but it's been, I've really enjoyed it so far. I'm like halfway in and it's good. So. He's a very interesting cat. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, the the bits and the bits and pieces of his stuff that I've read or sort of uh, listened to have been very good. Yeah, I I appreciate like you know, and I think too it is interesting, and, and I could be wrong, but I think overall, like I'm a bit of a mutt too, like mm-hmm. like got some German in me, some Scotch Irish, you know. But it's like I don't have a strong. I mean, I have a last name McKeever, and there was a there was mm-hmm. a it's like I don't. I'm like eh, I'm kind of Irish. I'm kind of Scottish. I'm kind. I'm just like I'm a mutt. Like I don't have a strong sort of ethnic identity, right? Or cultural sort of like touchstone. Uh, I'm just like eh, whatever. And and that is, yeah, definitely an interesting position. So yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. never been. And I I also came from kind of like lower middle class. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Like I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast. And not you know I'm not trying to. Lord forbid, I hope I'm not virtue signaling by saying something like this, but like growing up, it's what I said about the beach earlier, you know, like it was a crappy beach, but my kids didn't know any better. That was kind of how we were brought up as well. Like we had the electricity turned off a few times when I was a kid because my parents couldn't pay the bill. And it was just like, okay, that's just normal. Uh, we'll, you know, open up all the windows and like sleep inside, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's slightly uncomfortable, but it was never a thing like, oh, we're poor. You know, it's just like, no, that's just life. You don't realize it until you're older. Like, oh, okay. No, I guess that was. And, and so, you know, like the neighborhood, we were homeschooled. And so like then, so we were friends with neighborhood kids, you know, that's just like where we found friends. So, so we were all of the same socioeconomic status. Um, And so like, it was never... I just never thought that, you know, there was anything else. It was just normal. Um, So anyways, anyways, um, yeah, that's what I've been into. That's what I've been reading. That's what I've been playing Mm. a little bit of. What have you been into? What do you have to report on, sir? Uh, I got a pile of stuff. Not too, too much as far as gaming goes. A couple things of note. I did beat, uh, I did complete a playthrough of Sundered. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm 99% yeah. complete on that. Uh, I think I am going to come back to it at some point in time. It's it's pretty quick. Like, okay. I think it was like 15 hours, which okay. isn't 
And but I also I tend to be a little slower and kind of obsessive. Hence the ninety nine percent completion on the playthrough. <laughs> like nice. I've pretty much found everything. I'm missing like one thing. Yeah. Again, ninety nine percent completion. That game is very good. Uh very, very good. Uh it it sort of ranks strongly in my should play category. I think it's a very clever take on uh, the Metroidvania genre okay. uh, has an absolutely the uh, design aesthetic is really interesting, really intriguing. Uh, it's sort of that that sort of Lovecraftian uh, mm-hmm. sort of vibe. So I, I like it. I like it a lot. It left a very good impression on me. Nice. Uh, uh, I I am sort of like wanting to sort of like intentionally play through a bunch of Metroidvania stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I have a, a list on GG that I am curating. Uh, but it, I am also trying to avoid just burning myself out because it's like there's a way that you can go at that where you're just like I'm never playing any of these again. Like, yeah. and and I'm I'm I don't want to do that. So there's that. I did pick up, well, I picked up a copy of uh, a Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection. Yeah. And haven't touched that yet, but I did pick pick one up. Megan likes those games more than I do. And so in a lot of ways- The that, 3D that's, collectathons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. But I did, I did like Sunshine. I did okay. like Sweet. Sunshine from what I played. And I've, I know that Galaxy is like supposed to be one of the best. Uh, outside of that, I've like I've been. Oh well, Hades came out on mm. Switch, and mm-hmm. I I had been sitting on roughly nineteen dollars worth of like those coins or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Um. So I was like, well, I'll buy that for a dollar, and <laughs> uh, it. I don't know. I've 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 dumped a few hours into it already, um, mm-hmm. and I did fire up Bloodborne for a couple minutes just to sort of like run back through some stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's a. But we'll we'll get back to you know I'll, I'll circle, mm-hmm. circle back around to that. But uh, Hades is real good. Uh, yeah, it's a, an isometric sort of top down dungeon crawly. It's it's kind of Diablo ish. Mm-hmm. kind of in in some ways it's a little smarter but it's also okay. built in these sort of like very quick like play cycles so you play for like 15 20 minutes you see how far you can get and then you, you'll you'll eventually die yeah and you'll get kicked back to the beginning and so far i i've played a chunk but i'm not I haven't really like. There's there's still a significant portion of the game that I haven't gotten to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it. It's it's smart. There's a random ish element. It's hard to explain because there's so many like there's all these layers of mechanics sort okay. of at play in that game. Uh, there's like basically a bunch of different sort of currencies that you you collect to upgrade different things. And, you know, some of those are like personal abilities, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's also, 
there's a there's some weapons to be unlocked and then you can get you can unlock it. so because it's it's set and like you interact with the greek pantheon and mm-hmm. you get different types of power ups based on which deity you're sort of interacting with it's nice. it's very clever and very good and I like it a whole bunch. <laughs> nice. And I'll probably be buying it again when it comes out on PS4. Um, okay. Because that's the kind of sucker that I am. <laughs> there you go. Um, um, so well, uh, did you ever play Pyre by Supergiant? Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, just yeah. thinking, how, how did you like that one? It's fine. Uh, Pyre is okay. probably my least favorite. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. It's got an interesting hook. Uh, like the the swords and sorcery meets NBA Jam sort of thing. Pyre, I honestly I think like those matches or whatever they're fine, mm-hmm. but overall I just feel like Pyre is just probably the weakest out of all of them in my yeah. opinion. It's yeah. it's it's fun. It I mm-hmm. would even say it's good, but it's also kind of like, eh. They tried something and some of it was okay and some of it was not great. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I, I was just curious. Uh, just they seem mm-hmm. to have a really good track record. So No, uh, it's it's a it's a very good game. It's just it's like one of those things that and there are parts of it that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think one of the things you have to give to Supergiant is just that they make very visually striking games. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just and, just the presentation, the the art mm-hmm. and the music. Yes, both of those are top notch. I've only played Bastion and Transistor, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Darren Corb, that's who it is. Ah, that guy. Uh, he's he's really good. He's very very good. Uh, but the the guy who handles their like visual design is, or the 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 gal or the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a very like. Very good grip on aesthetic and how to utilize style and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. Uh, it's very clever. And, uh, short version is, it, it's sort of like if Supergiant were to sort of tackle sort of a Diablo clone, this is that game. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things is you'll play through and it, it's, it sort of combines almost like a, a roguelike sort of element. Like you play through mm-hmm. until you die. And then there's certain stuff that you'll take back with you and you'll upgrade and you'll get a little stronger so that you can progress. And the maps are changing and there's different pathways and stuff. And it's a very clever game. Very well designed. Yeah. I, I, I recommend it. Uh, as far as any sort of reading or anything goes, I did, well, I've been listening to a couple things. Um, I finished Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Yeah. It's it's fine. Uh, there's okay. actually a, a part of the book that happens towards the end that I'm kind of like, oh, I, I'm not sure that I can recommend this book. And it's, there's this just one part that just doesn't really need to be in there. Um, okay. It's it's inappropriate and it's inappropriate mm-hmm. on multiple levels and it's kind of like well, 
so there's that. Uh, I've been uh, listening to Area X by Jeff Vandermeer. That's the Annihilation. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's Annihilation Authority, and I forget what the last one is called, but it's that that trilogy. Uh, and a little bit more of Range by Epstein, by David Epstein. Okay. Um, so that's what I've been listening to. As far as reading... Uh, not a ton. I want to get back into Anna Karenina. I kind of, I'm sort of right around the halfway mark, maybe a little past that. And I'm just like, okay, okay. like, like I'm, I'm a good chunk into the book. I just need to sit down and like make it a priority. Uh, but I did also pick up, it's called Faithful and Fruitful. And it's a series of essays for elders and deacons. It was edited by William Bokestein Bo- and Stephen Sweats. Uh, and Michael Brown wrote the foreword, but okay. it's uh, from the uh, Reformed Fellowship Incorporated Press or whatever. Nice. I think I got it. I ordered it from Reformed Heritage Books or whatever. But uh, just a, so I'm going to start kind of working through that. And uh, there's a little bit of the bearded gospel men thing. Mm-hmm. So just and it's. This is maybe just me being overly picky, but there is a there's a, there's some problems with some of the the essays in that book on okay. just like these different saints. Some of it has to do with and again, I think like the like I said, at least the one dude is Anglican, and so they they have a much broader view of the the church in general, and they include some stuff from Rome and Eastern Orth. Eastern Orthodoxy that I'm like, I'm not exactly comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And I think there are good things to learn there, but it also sort of like, there are questions that I'm, I'm sort of like, there, there are also good questions that are coming out of that. Um, and it does tend to be a little bit lighter fare, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting book. So Mm. And that's that's about the most it's like it's it's there's some neat stories in there but there's also just kind of well let's you know but that's uh but that's that's pretty much been about it so okay yeah that's a bunch there i dig it all Piles. right <laughs> okay so uh we've reported on our previous backlogs and what we've been knocking down so before we get into bloodborne get pwned scrubs Get yourself some ponage. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. No, no, that's not true. That That's impossible. This is such an incredible moment. A memory that will bring joy to the hearts of millions of people for generations. Wait, wait, what? The sort of thing they talk about on the Retro Station podcast. The stories, movies, music, moments that brought us together as a people. That we enjoyed with friends. (laughs) You laugh about this with your friends? My life has been a lie! Exactly. This is wonderful. You're crazy. No, everyone agrees this is a truly classic moment. Wait, wait a minute. Did you kill mom then? I 
I'd, I'd rather not talk about that. Oh, I, I bet they talk about that on the retro station, huh? What a classic moment that was when Mom died. Actually, most people thought that was a bit of a letdown. They made memes making fun of it. They, they made memes of Mom? The Retro Station Podcast. Celebrating all those things that made us nerds. Yeah, let's get into this. All right. This brutal thing. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So why are we talking about uh, Bloodborne like five years later, right? Didn't it come out in 2015? I'm pretty sure it was a 2015 uh, game. I had the stuff pulled up to talk about that for just a <laughs> second. So it was released in March of 2015. Yep, there you uh, go. It, it was developed by From Software, published by Sony uh, for the PS4. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The director was Hidetaka Miyazaki. Yep. There's a pile of composers on here. But March to, uh, in North America, March 24th was the release date. In Europe, it was uh, the 25th. And then in Japan, it was the 26th. Oh, um, America before Japan. Yeah. That's interesting. That's according to Wikipedia, um, it is a hardcore survival action RPG uh hmm. and it's tough and and actually what's what's interesting about this game is that it is born out of the souls games <laughs> but it's it's a direct it's it's in within the dark souls family in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and actually it's part of those basically we we call them soulsborns yeah um and it's that whole sort of genre, that hardcore action RPG, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the heavy survival elements, uh, the basically a demand for you to master the combat and the map. And these games are very technical, um, mm-hmm. and they are not very player friendly. I right. guess is. They they kind of the whole thing is you're gonna die you're gonna mm-hmm. die a lot and get good yeah 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 the the core of it is that for the most part um, the game is very fair with you uh, for the most part enemies are slow and they telegraph their movements. Um, but if you do get hit, you know they have these wide hit boxes. And it gives you opportunity to dodge around and to attack them however you want to. But if you mess up, then you are going to be punished. I think it's interesting you said that the games are very fair because a lot of people think that they aren't. What I would say is that the stakes are very high. Mm-hmm. It is fair in the sense that you have plenty of opportunities. Mm-hmm. But if you mess up, you will die. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 frankly, there the a lot of the times unless you just start off and you you dodge around, you, you're going to die because you need the information of how this enemy works before you can actually master how to beat it, if that makes sense. And this goes for like normal enemies and bosses as well. So you're going to die a lot. Yeah. You're going to die a lot at bosses, but you're also going to die a lot at normal enemies. They do a lot of damage 
and uh, they can, you know, they can really mess you up, especially when you have multiple enemies. If you don't know what you're doing and you're not timing things correctly, uh, yeah, you're going to get punished. That's just the way that the game's made. And in the thing about it, I mean, the the allure of these types of games, if you've never played one, is that um, where regular power fantasies are, they they give you a ton of well power, and and you're able to conquer pretty much anything. Um, I think of kind of like the original God of War, which I didn't enjoy that game. Um, but you know, you you mash the X button in the early game, and you're just like destroying things and and ripping things in half, and and like you just feel super powerful. In this game, you don't feel very powerful. So when you actually take down a boss that you've been dying at and dying at and dying at, it is one of, in my humble opinion, one of the best experiences in gaming, because it feels so good that you are finally able to yeah. um, to defeat the thing that's been giving you trouble and you have gotten better. You can see your progress as you play the game. Um, so I, I mean, cards on the table. I love the Dark Souls series. And so this game as well. Um, th- this game was actually the top of my list. The reason that I wanted to buy a PS4 um Obviously, there's a handful of games, but Bloodborne was the was the first one. Like that's the one. Uh, whenever I get a PS4, like I'm going to get that and I'm gonna play through it um, because I enjoy these games so much. Maybe, maybe I am a bit of a masochist. I don't know. I don't know. You die a lot. You die a lot. You lose progress. Um, you get frustrated because you lose all your experience. But man, it is. It feels awesome. I mean. Even just playing it over again this weekend, it feels awesome to to destroy a big bad in in these games. You just you, you feel great. It's good stuff. Well, and I think too, like one of the things is that yes, it demands a, a mastery of the combat and learning how to read enemies. But these are very, I guess I would say, just very technical games. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of depth to the combat in this. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I, I basically, I am a very. When I played, I was super dodgy. I played a skill build, so it was like I would sort of dip in, stab somebody for a couple seconds, and then you know, dodge back out. Uh, it, a lot of shotgun parrying. Um, mm-hmm. So things like that. But the the reason we're sort of talking about this is because this is, in a lot of ways, you know, the games that we talk about, I mean, besides us just liking them or just, <laughs> it's like, these are high watermarks. Yeah. And yeah. you you mentioned the fact that you bought a PlayStation 4. Like the, the reason the PlayStation 4 was on the map was primarily because of this game. Mm-hmm. Like this was like one of the big selling points. And uh, this is arguably, I think, one of the reasons to own a PS4 mm-hmm. is uh, this game is is a bit of a it's a legacy piece, maybe mm-hmm. is is, but it's it's just uh, it's it's a high water mark, and even if it's not exactly your style, you know, for somebody who might not enjoy these types of games, I think uh, it de- definitely at least deserves you know, a fair amount of respect. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, so. definitely. And, and so one of the interesting things is that I, f- I feel like this game was almost universally praised when it came out. Um, I, I don't think this game is for everyone. This game, because oh, of no. its difficulty yeah. level and also the way it, it kind of throws you into the deep end pretty early. There's two main bosses in the first area. Okay. One is actually optional. You don't even have to fight him if you don't find him. I didn't find him until after I had beaten the other boss. The other boss that is not optional that you have to beat is, to me, was one of the hardest bosses in the game. <laughs> Father G? Yes. Yeah. Papa so, G don't play. Yeah, Papa G is a, uh, he is not fun. <laughs> Father Gascoigne is is his name. But um, he has he has multiple, halfway through the battle, he transforms into a werewolf. Okay, he's already difficult from the start. He's got a, a shotgun and then a huge axe, so he's got wide range. Um, and then when he turns into a werewolf, he's really fast, and he just starts. He gets very, very aggressive. Um, he's he's really fast, and he hits like a freaking bus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, lots of people that that's. Wh- if this game is not for you, a lot of people will give up there because he seems so insurmountable because the difficulty just ramps up. Now, it's it's a difficult game from the start. You've probably, you know, seen the death screen tons of a dozen times at least before you get up to him. But then but it ramps up so much with him. Like I can remember the first time I played it, someone who's played through all three Dark Souls games. Um, I remember finally getting to his werewolf uh, transformation after dying a handful of times and just being like, that felt like a triumph. And then seeing his werewolf form, I'm just like, what the heck is going on? And just getting completely wrecked by that. Um, So yeah, he's difficult. All that to say is that this is, I totally understand this game is not for everyone. I'm not saying everyone is going to enjoy this game. I'm saying that what this game does, it does very well. And it definitely, to me, uh, the, this is a type of game that I really enjoy. Um, so with that, I do also want to talk about what makes it unique within these types of games that were, you know, these Soulsborne games. Um, it was released in between Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3. Um, so one thing that Miyazaki was trying to do with this game is he he was trying to make... Now, now first of all, there's uh, the, the entire aesthetic of this game is different. Dark Souls games, as the name implies, they are dark, but they are um, more swords and sorcery, right? They, they feel more, you know, you're a knight in, in armor, for the most part, um, battling kind of like these, these kind of a dark ages, medieval type feel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And they still have horror elements because, um, because I mean, they can be scary games one because they're difficult, but then it does, it does take from the more macabre kind of imagery throughout the games. Um, but this one goes hard in that direction. And in addition to that, the uh, the fighting itself is is it's it's still similar, but the way that the gameplay um, 
is is changed with this one is that it is very much more aggressive. Um, in the Dark Souls games, you can well, for one thing, you don't have a shield in Bloodborne. Okay, in Dark Souls, you normally have a sword and shield, so you can use yeah. your shield to uh, to well to block attacks, but to learn from your enemies. Um, in Bloodborne, that's gone, and in fact, the game. Uh, encourages you to continue attacking and to be aggressive because when you get hit, you can actually get a portion of your life back if you attack your enemy right after you get hit. Um, So it is very much pushing you to continue fighting and not play defensively, but to play very offensively as much as you can. There's a stamina bar and when it runs out, you can't do any, you know, you can't run, you can't dodge, you can't attack. Um, It's well, it's significantly, I think, too, like, you know, and I think you, you might have been getting there, but it is significantly faster yeah. than either one of the Souls games that preceded it. Uh, just as far as the, the general, like, action slash combat flow, mm-hmm. I, I think, too, you know, and I, and I mentioned it before, but the, the shotgun parry, like, there are side firearms in this game, mm-hmm. and yep. they are used... To a great extent, for the most part, um, you know, I, I I use the term shotgun parry. You can use other weapons. You can use other firearms to do this. But the shotgun, because of its blast range and everything else, is optimal. Is, is you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a point in an enemy's attack sequence that if you can basically interrupt them right before they were going to hit you with a shotgun, like if you pull that, if you, you drop a, a round into them at the right time, it will stun them and you can whack them for a trem- like additional damage. For massive damage. Massive Roll them onto their damage. back and attack them for massive damage. Basically, yes. Destroy the giant enemy crabs. Whoa. Anyways. Whoa. Um, but I think, too, one of the other things that distinguishes this is I think in a lot of ways it does sort of share a bit of an aesthetic with the the, the Souls games. Mm-hmm. But I think in a way, too, that this game presses in. And, and I haven't played much, much of the Souls games. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one presses into sort of almost a Lovecraftian design and a Lovecraftian sort of mythos or type mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more so than the Dark Souls games. So. Right, right. And and the way that this game plays, so I went into it blind, which isn't very difficult because um, the story, if you don't know anything about Dark Souls, the story in these types of games is not given to you throughout the game. You have to go searching for it. Um, the way that characters talk to you in Dark Souls games is very much like you are not the main character of this story. Um, you're just kind of a side character in their in their mind, and so it, it's it's very off putting. It makes you feel very alone in in this this you know dark world. Um, and Bloodborne does the same thing. But that being said, Bloodborne starts off as more of a gothic horror type of game, right? Yes. You're you're kind of like in this dapper, you know, like suit, even if it's kind of ripped up and in torment. It's it's almost like a twisted fairy tale version of like Sherlock Holmes. Um, but but much, much darker and you know, with werewolves and things like that. But it it has this kind of like gothic Victorian feel to it. 
um, with you know the enemies that you're first fighting are these th- these deformed humans with pitchforks and and uh, and uh, uh, torches and things like that. So it, running down the streets, and so it feels yeah, it feels like a gothic horror game for when it starts out. But gradually as you play, things get more and more twisted and frankly uncomfortable (laughs) with a lot of the things that they're talking about. They start introducing um, these ideas of these old gods and, uh, you know, how, how the the blood of these old gods can heal people, but then it makes them go insane and... And how uh, these other people are trying to figure out how to become one of these gods, or, or reach out to them, and and uh, you know speak to them, and transcend their their current mode of being, and just really, really weird stuff. And and it becomes more of a Lovecraftian tale by the end of it, if you're even following the story. Which, frankly, um, in my first playthrough, I could not. That story I, I is a little it. incoherent. It's, I mean, it follows this sort of like the Dark Souls where it reveals a lot of the lore through the loading screens, through mm-hmm. yep. little uh, item ex- excerpts, yeah, on the uh, item descriptions, descriptions and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I have no idea what the story is about other than I fought a big thing. <laughs> or, or, uh, no, I fought a dude who once he got out of his chair was stupid fast <laughs> and hard to kill but then i got i did kill him and in the new game plus or whatever i got his scythe thing nice so i'm like nice I'm like your toy is mine now fool yeah i know i couldn't see these huge beings all throughout the world and then after i killed a spider that looks like a slug that has a bunch of spiders around him then i could see it well, I think that has more to do with uh, so it, this game has a, a couple different sort of like currency levels, mm-hmm. and the the one in particular that I think uh, you in in order to see all of the big old gods or great mm-hmm. ones or whatever, you actually need that they call this this uh, resource insight, right? And you get it you get it for a few different things. Like the first time you see. Um, and a certain type of enemy, you'll gain insight. Uh, the first time you die or kill an enemy, you get insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can just find it in different chests and stuff from time the, to time. Yeah, the resource uh, or the item that will give you more insight is called Madman's Knowledge. No, that's what it um, is, yeah. So that you can get more insight into what these beings are, and uh, it's it's not the first enemies that you fight; it's actually the first boss that you fight gives okay. you insight. Um, so okay. you're seeing these these otherworldly creatures, and once you see them, then you have kind of insight into what this other world is, into what these these other god beings are. Um, is is kind of, and and this is one thing that. Um, even if you don't like the way that FromSoft gives you the story in these games, you have to admit they they pay attention to detail. Like the way um, that it tells the story is through, you know, this this body over here in the corner is actually the body of this other character. You know, you can tell by what they're wearing that they're this previous character or 
or you know because it's found in this one area um and yeah that the, what they're wearing or their armor or something like that it it alludes to what is going on in the world and it gives lore through things like that um which is pretty amazing i think it also bleeds over into uh just the gameplay of the game itself the areas that you go through are very meticulous in the way that they place enemies in the way that like they teach you certain things and then in the way that they change what they've taught you <laughs> so that you fall into traps um, in the way that areas kind of loop back on each other. It is extremely uh, well done. And yeah, like I said, meticulously placed in order to tell the story and in order to, to give you a very uh, curated gameplay experience as well. And within that world, um, the way the game is set up is you're able to uh, tackle problems a lot of different ways. So if you continue to die and die and die, then you can, um, you know, level up a little while and try and, you know, get some better stats. You can try on a new weapon and see if that'll help you. Um, or you can just stop playing for a while and think through how you're going to actually, you know, tackle this this problem and you come back to it and it's it's easier the next time you come back to it. It's it's a strange it's a strange sensation. Um but I I had found that I'd beaten a few bosses that way of just like giving myself some distance and then coming back and it's a lot um not easier necessarily, but it comes it comes easier. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think some of that might have to do with the, there is sort of a, you know, it's an action RPG. So there mm -hmm. are some RPG elements. So there are stats to be built up mm -hmm. and maxed out or, you know, whatever. And mm -hmm. so you can, with enough time, if you want to grind for long enough, you can sort of brute force your way through this game. Right. You can, you can sort of load up on health can load up on stamina you can you can load up on things that will uh or stats you know okay. you can load up on these stats that will make survival a little more accessible yeah yeah and augment your stats too yes. i don't know about you i did not use um any of like the fire paper or the bolt paper or anything like that i i just didn't uh, use very many consumables i Molotov cocktails. Mm -hmm. Those are nice. I occasionally did use a bunch of those. Uh, and then actually the first time I beat father G uh, mm -hmm. was with uh, there's an exploit where you can get up on the, the roof. Okay. And you can just throw stuff at them. And so I just emptied out my inventory. I threw like every <laughs> stone, these poison knives, the Molotov cocktails, and then I went down and actually dealt with him. And that, that, cause he's, he is even in his natural form. And I, I think I probably should have just, it, it should have been one of those situations. I had died numerous times to him. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I actually, weird story about him is, uh, I actually went all the way through the door. Like I got into the next part of the game without having to fight him. And Whoa. then when I came back through, he was there waiting for me and it wouldn't let me just go back through the door. So I had to fight him then, but there was, huh. yeah, I actually was able to sidestep him for a little bit. Um, Even with the cutscene and everything. 
I, I, whatever point it was, the first time we went through, I just he didn't he wasn't there. Okay. And so I just okay. like walked through the cemetery. That cutscene. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, but then when I came when I came back through, he was there waiting for me. Yeah. Huh. So. Well, there you go. No, I, I stumbled on that guy, and I got my butt handed to me. Oh, he's <laughs> he's awful. Yeah. So that's the thing, though. Um, that's why I say that I, I can tend to be a bit of a masochist. Yes, he's awful in how, how he feels so overpowered, but looking back... If you don't, or if you don't have your own kind of like favorite bosses, that's something I, I want to kind of talk about too. He's one of my favorites because of how um, he forces you to get better at the game, and uh, like based on what he's doing, uh, he also teaches you how to, you know, how to use your shotgun and how to use your weapons and how to use. Uh, range and when to when to dodge but then also you know know when to run away for a little while because he's in a big you know graveyard so you actually can run for a while uh, if you want to use up your stamina doing that Um, but because he comes so early in the game I think he's also kind of a teaching boss but it's teaching in the way that like your dad would throw you in the pool to teach you how to swim kind of teaching. Um, it's, it's not hold your hand teaching in the no. slightest. It's uh, it's, it's the way that you would teach. You know, it's the way that my dad taught me how to play chess. Uh, <laughs> just beating is, you relentlessly. <laughs> just, you're just going to get clobbered. And when you actually get that victory, it's because you earned it. Right, yeah. right. And it feels so good. And that's kind of what propels you on to the rest of the game is like, okay, I can do this. Like it's not um it's not impossible and I can get better if I just continue to work at it, either thinking through strategies or changing things up or going to grind for a little while. Um that's always an option. So in a sense, I mean like he's certainly if not probably the most memorable boss to me um, because it was such a, it was such a a high ramp up in difficulty. Um, But then also you get a nice little cut scene with him and it's just the whole experience, the the, where, how he's in a graveyard and how you, you know, you're dodging past like gravestones in order to get some distance between you and him it just the whole thing um, is very memorable for me, and he's got a very tragic backstory as well. If you're one to look into it, um, I didn't stumble on any of it when I was playing, <laughs> so I didn't know anything about him. Um, I just knew he was attacking me, and then he turns into a werewolf, and geez, blow his head off. Yeah, well, throw he, a Molotov cocktail at him. You, you and I had sort of talked about the way that. So the, the part of the, this lore is absolutely indecipherable. I, I don't know. Without the aid of the wiki, right? You are very unlikely. But basically, what happens is, you know, and you sort of touched on it earlier. You, this blood ministration that's applied to you will eventually turn people into beasts mm-hmm. and into these, you know, raging monsters. And a lot of what you're actually fighting is basically people, n- normal, weak-willed people who 
you know, or at least in the, the early stages of Yarnum, who just basically succumb to the beast, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. And they, there's still actually a lot of human in them in a lot right. of ways. Right. Um, so you start out, but then, as, so, but basically the longer you're able to fight this thing off and you, you know, you had to explain this to me, the more grotesque and big and powerful you get. So like when you're fighting the, uh, the cleric beast or Amelia mm-hmm. or anything like these people fought it off. And one of the reasons they fought it off is because of, you know, the, their uh, ties to the church and the sort of the extra willpower that it gave these individuals. But mm-hmm. father G was actually a hunter in the church. Right. And yeah. he had a partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sad, sad. Mm-hmm. He had, he had a wife and two daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, which I say had, depending on what you do, the daughters might live or might die. Um, but that's, you know, depending on what you do. And again, you only find that out through like item descriptions, which is weird. Um, or you could just go to YouTube and check it out. And that's how I learned about it. <laughs> but it's it's really cool. It's, it's interesting that it's there, um, even when it doesn't really matter when you're playing the game. Well, I, I take that back because there's an item that you can use um, to make him kind of go crazy. But yeah, so that's, that's father Gascoigne and he's a really good one. You know, the, the way that they, well, like we said in, in the original area, because yeah, you have these weak willed people, they almost seem more humanoid, but as the game goes on, it gets more and more twisted and, and things look more and more strange. And I mean, this game feels like playing a nightmare honestly um the grotesque imagery of it but then also here's another thing that i've noticed going back to the game is that one thing uh that makes me supremely uncomfortable about this game even more so than dark souls is because it's constantly pushing you forward um, the gameplay wants you to play very aggressively, even if you don't know what you're doing, right? Even if you've never seen this enemy before, you um, just simply, when you dodge, you should dodge into attacks. Whereas in Dark Souls, you could get away with dodging back because you have a shield. And if you take a hit, you can still use your shield. Whereas with this game, if someone comes in for a swipe at you, you should dodge into that swipe so that you'll miss and end up behind the enemy. Little things like that where the game constantly is trying to get you, um, even when there's like these scary monsters on screen, it is pushing you forward into places that you don't naturally want to go. Um, so my natural reflex, I mean, like I said, is to dodge back, you know, to, to get out of the hit radius. But more often than not, their hit radius actually goes farther. And so you'll get hit if you dodge back. Whereas if you dodge into them, um, you've got a better chance of actually missing their attacks. Um, and so, and and you see these grotesque beings and these strange, because it's Lovecraftian, you begin seeing more, out of place, weird honeycomb patterns uh, on people's heads and just all kinds of disturbing imagery uh, that, like I said, I mean, it feels like you're playing a nightmare as you continue to play this game. Um, Strange giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah, there's there's clear. And that that was another thing is you mentioned like there's the, there's the church in this game. Church is a very um it it does not describe the connotations that we have for the word church does not necessarily describe uh what these group of people is no. in this game. <laughs> it's only a church in the sense that they are trying to seek out these these godlike uh creatures, the old gods or what they what they're called. Or they're basically historians trying to seek deeper and deeper into the the tombs that are located beneath the city in order to find out, um, you know, pre- about pr- previous races. Or yeah, they're they're trying to reach out and and somehow understand these other gods. Um, but then when things break loose, you know, when the, when this beast scourge comes out, then they're also the ones employing the hunters to to, to fight back. So it's not a, a it's not like a we're going to have worship services church. It's like a <laughs> it's like an entire um, military force, but also uh, academia. So it's it's every everything about this game is strange. Yeah, I I think too. You know, just, there's no good sort of segue into this, but we need to talk about the strangeness of this game, Josh. Mm-hmm. We've yep. sort of been dancing around it. There is a very strange obsession with blood oh yes and mm-hmm. uh birth and mm-hmm. um you know uh, not to get too gross here but uh there is a, a lot of reference to menzies um yeah so this is something uh for our bro chachos no 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 we didn't actually even record it so never mind no, uh, we were just, talking <laughs> before the episode i didn't even realize what this word meant um mm-hmm. and and nate filled me in on what uh mensis is it, mensis is how it's pronounced in the game uh so mm-hmm. i don't know if it's mensis menses uh but they they but, pronounce but it, it well it has it, it like listen even if they're not using it exactly the same way right it, it, it's it's tied to that term, right? Right, and little a little side note. Um, throughout the game, they call some of these creatures uh, amygdala, and <laughs> the amygdala is part of the brain. Mm-hmm. So, like they they even mispronounce that word as well. Uh, maybe it's just because it's a Japanese game, you know, pronouncing English words. I don't know, but it it was strange to me throughout the game because also the idea of a brain. Um, brains are they play into some of the story as well you know the um is it lawrence it's not lawrence um it's the other guy it's the guy in the chair who points out to the to the pier i can't remember what his name is but he oh uh, the the one uh before you fight uh rom the vacuous spider oh my gosh that going back briefly to sort of like boss fights mm-hmm. that might have been the one of the ones i hated the most Oh really? Okay. Rom sucked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. Because Rom himself is is kind of a pushover. It's mostly the well all that the freaking spiders. It's it's his spiderlings. Mm-hmm. He wasn't so bad. Like yeah. when I could actually hit him, uh, but it was like sometimes getting to him right was the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like beams so, of light shooting at you, and then there's like fifty spiders that you have to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, it was it wasn't I I'm not saying he was easy. I'm I'm saying like him just himself was a pushover in terms of like based on the other bosses. But yeah, yeah, everything surrounding him made him much much more difficult 
Um, so it was kind of, uh, he was very unassuming as well. Um, but anyways, no, so, so there is a character. So there was a split within the church, within the, within the game lore. Okay. There's a split within the church of how you are to understand these old gods and actually reach out. There was a faction that believed that you need, um, more, a better understanding in order to do so. And this character says that he, um, you know, our eyes are not open yet. We need to line our brain with eyes in order to see into, you know, basically this other plane of being to see these other, these other gods. Uh, so that's kind of the way that I took it is like, when we talked about insight and madman's knowledge, like people go mad after seeing, uh, these old gods, and and there are these creatures called amygdala or amygdala that can also transport you between worlds sometimes. And so that, like I was thinking that, that that's symbolic in terms of the way that you get insight. It's a brain, you know, it's, it's this creature that's a stand-in for the way that you use your brain in order to go into this other plane kind of a thing. So anyways, all that to say, that was kind of a side note, um, when we were talking about Mensis it, within the game, that's actually this faction that says that we'll we'll reach out as opposed to um, as opposed to insight to reach out to these gods. The school of Mensis was created um, that said that we can continue to imbibe the blood of the old gods in order to to become more like them. Like that's how we're going to make ourselves into gods is to continue to basically like pump ourselves full of their blood and to, to research and dig down deeper into these tombs and figure out who these, who these gods were, um, and basically create ourselves in their own image. So it's all kinds of weird and creepy and gross. So that's the school of Mensis, uh, which, like you were talking about, um, that's reference to uh, menstruation. So yep. that's that's beautiful. I I did not even realize that, but it makes sense in the context of if if amygdala were used as a stand-in for the brain, like the school of Mensis was trying to birth another type of humanity and trying to birth another. God into being, if that makes sense. Although, you know, menstruation is like the failed birth. And so like you get all this, this weirdness and grossness there as well. Um, Going back to what you said, it is, the game is very much obsessed with blood. There's blood absolutely everywhere. (laughs) This is not a game to play around children. Uh, I learned that within the first five minutes of popping this game in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it didn't scar my kids, but I was just kind of like, yeah, we're not going to play this anymore. Um, so th- yeah, that was the end of that. Obviously it's called Bloodborne. You get injected with blood at the beginning of the game and and you use blood vials. Uh, so you continuously are injecting yourself with blood in order to gain more life. Um, the experience po- or the, the, the currency. The currency. That's the word I was thinking of. The currency within the game are um, blood echoes. So you're yes. getting blood from enemies. Your character, as you gain more blood echoes, uh, because you can only gain them from killing other, well, mostly, 99% of the time, you only get them from killing other uh, uh, beings in the world. Um, as you gain more blood echoes, 
like you see the splatter all over his uh all over his garb so at oh, certain points yeah. of the game you can just be like completely red and covered in blood and it means you need to go back and spend all those blood echoes or you're going to lose them um there so- was there was a moment where i was playing and it he wasn't covered in red but he was like this sort of just like mud mm-hmm. and like oh uh, it's yeah. like man this dude's dirty <laughs> yes yeah and it is absolutely all over this game because of I mean, well, well, that's just that's just the the theme of the game. Like, that's just a big part of it. Um, but it does have these ideas. Of, I mean, it's a horror game, but it has these ideas of existence and and you know going in between humanity and beast and God and and it, it is all kinds of strange and weird. And so, like, yeah, these ideas of of blood and birth and failure. <laughs> and insight and brain like all of these themes you see in the enemies you see in the equipment and things and and so it just it is very unsettling almost the entire time that you're playing the game and um i enjoy that aesthetic but it's very gross like you know i i enjoy certain types of horror and this is this is much more up my alley. I'm not like a slasher film fan, um, but this is more yeah, like like Lovecraftian and gothic horror. And yeah, uh, well, I I think like the thing though is it's it's Lovecraftian, but it's also with a super healthy amount of body horror. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> or maybe maybe unhealthy amount of body horror <laughs> uh, because like Lovecraft is sort of. And this is the the strength of Lovecraft is sort of like he describes things in the most in the vaguest possible of terms, mm-hmm. and so that your brain does a, like a lot of the work in constructing these these phantasms or the fears. Whereas in Bloodborne, we we see the things they've just they look weird. They've got tentacles, some of them in places where people should not have tentacles. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not trying to be gross or racy or anything. I'm just like. Yeah, like think Cthulhu, right? You know, um, right. kind of stuff. So it's gross. Yeah, and it, it feels wrong. It just feels wrong. Um, I remember. So we mentioned earlier that there's there's a point in the game where there are these creatures that like the what I referred to earlier, the amygdala. They're these huge, um, like basically if it's like a human stick bug. <laughs> so these huge, like thin. Uh, characters except they're you know like 10 times as big as a human and their head looks sort of like an inverted pine cone if that makes any sense and uh you can't see them through most of the game and then you beat a certain boss who apparently is like holding back um part of something that had happened i don't want to get too far into the lore but basically after you beat this boss then you can see them and they're crawling all over um the the city that you're in and it is to me it's absolutely terrifying because you're like i don't know if they're going to swoop down and try and kill me because this thing is like enormous and it's going to destroy me and yeah i mean there's unsettling things like that all over um but it's certainly a game full of madness in in its its visual motifs that it has yeah um 
So anyways, I feel like I've, I've kind of rambled. I don't necessarily, you know, we don't have to talk about the story anymore because uh, we don't really have to, you know, we don't have to explain anything. If, you know, if anyone's interested, sure, you know, maybe we can do, maybe I can do a bite size and just tell you what I've learned from. Uh, <laughs> the story from- is, well, and it, it just, it is one of those things where it is a little bit incoherent in mm-hmm. the sense that like, it doesn't lay out any like definite like the the story beats are hard to find and hard to follow, mm-hmm. and so it's you know if if you're looking for story you're gonna dig through it. I think right from what I understand this is sort of like it's part and parcel with the souls stuff in general, but just the inner the the connectivity of the map yeah and just how there's a bajillion different little passages everywhere to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there are a number of completely optional places that you might not find in your playthrough. I didn't. Uh, there there were some bosses that I didn't fight at all because I didn't know that it even existed when I played uh, my first playthrough. So, um, there. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in this game that I mean, the developers don't really. It's not going to hold your hand. So if you miss something, that's kind of on you. Um, mm-hmm. that said, I've also heard that some, in order to trigger some things, um, it is very particular and obtuse <laughs> and those two things don't really go together very well. Well, there, there's a quest line, uh, for the blades of mercy, blade, well, the blade of mercy, which actually turns into two, it's a trick weapon that turns it, it goes from a sort of sword into daggery things. Um, mm-hmm. Eileen, the crow. Yep. And in order, the, there's two ways that you can get that. One of them is you can kill her. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is difficult because she's like at the beginning of the game. <laughs> and, and and even when... The, the first time, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. she she can be a little bit beefy um, and, and kind of hard to deal with. And they, well, and it's just like, yeah, like so many of just the enemies in this game, period, just hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, but there's there is a rather convoluted sort of like quest line that you can follow, and she will reward you with these at the end of that. Mm-hmm. But it is it is definitely above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yeah, man, oh man. So um, you know, if you can't tell, I, if I haven't said it enough times, I really enjoy this game. Playing it, picking it up again, and playing it, it, it makes me want to do another run of it. And uh, particularly with a guide this time, uh, just so that I can do all those quest lines that I didn't do this time um, and do a completely separate build. So like, because you're pumping different stats into your character, you don't, the way that you level up in this game is you don't get a set amount of, you know, HP and attack and things like that. Every time you level up, you get basically a point that you can put into one of your stats. And so, um, you use that for different bonuses with your different weapons. Basically, the your main attacking weapons are either strength weapons or skill weapons, which is basically big and blunt or fast and nimble. Those two words mean the same thing. But uh, anyways, I well, played- Well, nimble, nimble has, a, like, it's it's an agility. It's, mm-hmm. it's skill versus strength. Yeah. Yeah, and so. I played a strength build, so I want to go back and play another skill build, and this is this has definitely made me want to do that, but I can't. 
I have too many games on my backlog to do that right now. Um, oh, but I posh. did. Well, I mean, there's Neo too. So like I have mm-hmm. even other games like this game <laughs> that I can do. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And we well, have Bioshock Tober that we still got to get through. So Bioshock to oh man oh man, that's a, that's a good one too. I've I've played a little bit of that. I haven't reported on it yet, but I've played a little bit and I'm digging mm. it. Anyways, before we go, I I did just want to ask: Are there any other standout bosses to you in this game? So there's a total of 22 bosses throughout the entire game, including the DLC, which I didn't finish uh, because it's freaking hard and I, then some that i missed i did almost all of the additional like i i nice. did almost all of them there are two of the dlc bosses that i never beat um that i can't remember mm-hmm. basically the last two of the dlc bosses and i think it was like there's three of them and they spawn do you know what i'm talking about and the, are they are, are they robed uh no they're okay. kind of big three uh, i know which ones you're talking about where it's like the three and as you eliminate them they get like the, one has a sword one yeah. has like a yeah, yeah. the yarnum shadows yeah no. so are are you talking about the living failures because there were a ton of those they, well they're dlc bosses i think it's the living yeah, failures. It, it, yeah about. it was the living failures Th- that was where i stalled out okay and so okay because i i wanted uh I wanted Lady Maria's weapon. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I heard that it was pretty good. And so I, I did beat the living failures um, because there's a way, like, I could, that they took me so stinking long to beat because they have this one attack that basically, like, casts meteor. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's it's super hard to dodge. Yes. And it's just, and it hits so stinking hard. And mm-hmm. I think, like, the, the problem is, you. yeah, with my skill build, it's very like I I played as a skill build, mm-hmm. um, and I use the the chain whip for the majority of the game, but it is a very glass cannon build. So it's like yeah. I can get in there and do a ton of damage, but then like I have to move very like it also demands that you just get out of the like. I, I can't absorb hits. Right. It's yeah. like I take a hit or two and then I'm gone, mm. which mm. is, and, and, and I appreciate that about the game. I mean, like there, there's so many good, like, I, I think one of the things like, so it was like the living failures is probably the one boss fight that sort of sticks out to me is just being like, yeah, that's the one that I wish I would have beaten before I finished the game. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I liked, uh, is it Ludwig? Did you fight yes. Ludwig? Yeah, that's what that I was That fight gonna, was yeah. rad. Oh, that my was goodness. a rad fight. Yes, it was. And that, I mean, just even so, we talked about how, like, you know, the longer that you fight off this beast inside you, the more, the stronger that it gets before it finally overtakes you. And Ludwig is this deformed human horse creature. Um, that looks like it's it's still struggling to even uh, burst out of. It's very much like the thing where you know the the thing John Carpenter's the thing where it, it like mm. it bursts out of the the dogs. <laughs> it's like that with a horse, um, but it's really nimble and it has this huge freaking sword 
that glows. Um, yeah, that that battle was when you awesome. get when you get that sword. It's a mm-hmm. pretty good sword. Yeah, yeah that that was a, a great sword. fight too because I felt like I had gotten pretty far on it, like pretty consistently. I could get pretty far and die, and it was like the last you know third of the battle was so difficult because I could get that far. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Ludwig definitely stands out to me. He was a DLC boss, if I recall correctly. Then it was Living Failures. And then Maria was right after that. And Maria just wrecked my face after I finally beat the Living Failures. So that that's when I was like, yeah, this DLC is 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 too tough. I'm supposed to be at a higher level than beat the game. Um, so, oh, so you you never fought the Orphan of Coast either nope. then? Nope, I didn't I'm get looking that at that. That's like... So that that and Maria are the two bosses that I never fought at all. Yeah, me me oh, too. He looks I mean, there so were gross. there were others that I missed, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because he carries around his uh, his sack. <laughs> He's an orphan. Um, his sorry for anyone who doesn't know uh, what I mean. I don't mean genitals. I mean like um, like womb. What's that called? Come on, a placenta. Yes, there you go, placenta. Uh, and when you beat him, you get uh, you get a piece of that placenta as a weapon. So, um, really, yeah. this is, that, yeah. that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> I think one of the things too is like so. One of the big mechanics here, and we sort of probably should have talked about this earlier. There are firearms, but all of your weapons are called trick weapons, mm-hmm. and so they're different forms. And, mm-hmm. and we may have. Like I said, I've been kind of like fighting it off all night. So. <laughs> if I sound like a raving lunatic, it's this game hasn't taken that big a hold of me. It's just, <laughs> I'm just, um, anyways, the trick weapons are kind of just really, inter- the, just the weapons in general. I, mm-hmm. I, you and I sort of talked about it and I did, there were a number of them that I really liked. Now, the, there were some weapons where I'm just like, this just feels weird and dumb and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I had a skill build. And so each one, some of these weapons require very specific builds for them to be useful mm-hmm. or, you know, we were talking about blood tinge builds and, and stuff like that, which are, right. you know, but it's, uh, the, the weapons in this game, there, there's a ton of them. Um, and some of them are very, very cool, very, very useful. And, but there's a fair number of them that are just kind of like, eh. Yeah. For me, for my experience, I really only played with, with uh, mostly just one weapon, mostly the ax. And then I tried out a couple other weapons for just a short amount of time and didn't use them. I think I used one of the saws for a little while. Uh, and then after I got the DLC, I used the whirly gig saw. Mm. So, but, but that was really it. I intentionally didn't cause after you, you learn a weapon because like and Nate mentioned, they're trick weapons. So they have different forms. Um, you know, like, there are two like, and you can combo, you one. can combo into and out of those trick forms right. for additional damage and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty, 
pretty slick so, actually yeah and it gets pretty deep but you need to know your weapon so you need to know the range of your weapon in each mode and how to use different attacks how long your wind up is for your like super strong attack and things like that so after i learned the axe like i didn't really want to to have to learn something else um so i didn't branch out very much and and that was very intentional on my part of just like i i don't I don't have the time. I like the way that this is working. And then you dump your upgrades into your weapon as well. So that's what I did. Um, and it was always the best one for me because I didn't have enough upgrades for other weapons. So um, I, I think that talks to kind of like the expansiveness of this game is you can play it in very different ways uh, depending on the weapons that you use. Um, and yeah, like Nate said, the, a lot of them can seem very unnecessary uh, because you don't have the right build for it, you know, or something like that. But, um, you know, you just, you need to learn it <laughs> and then build around it as well. But uh, I'm trying to think the only other boss that I wanted to mention just because I thought it was really cool to actually fight one was the amygdala, the amygdala, mm. uh, yeah. when you actually fight him, he was not particularly difficult for no. me. Um, he was, he, he's a bit of a pushover. Yeah, him and then the the other one that's kind of similar to him in sort of like a Colosseum place. Um, it was it was Murgo like after he was I can't remember what his name was. Um, but yeah, the, the, so you're you're way you're like you're actually remembering a lot of character names where I'm just like, I don't. well, only because yeah, only because I've been watching stuff lately. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. but um. There was the one, well, oh, and the shadows were really cool, I thought. Mm. Uh, so the one reborn is what he was called, um, the the one that was Murgo. That, that's basically like a bunch of like bodies oh, kind yeah. of making one huge creature. I felt like him and the amygdala were not particularly difficult, but it felt really good to beat them. Um, one, because the weirdness surrounding the one reborn, like you have to go to a different area and apparently it might be a different dimension. It might be a different time um, because of the way that this game plays with time in general. So that's neither here nor there. But the amygdala, I just thought was super cool to actually fight one and actually take it down. Um, I thought that felt awesome because you see them throughout the game and they're terrifying, <laughs> at least to me. So, Yeah. Well, do you remember that there's a part in the game... Right when you get through into the chapel there mm -hmm. and you can sort of, I, it might be like a sort of around the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Like, and if you don't have enough insight, there will be this part like where you'll walk up to something and you'll sort of notice something and then you'll just get snatched up into the air. Did that happen I, to you at all? Oh, yes. I mentioned that on the podcast Okay, uh, when okay. I was playing it and that freaked me the yeah. heck out. The first oh time, oh my goodness! The first time it happened to me, I was like, "What the heck is this? Yeah. What is this trash?" Yeah, um, there's this yeah, enormous yeah. creature that you can't see that picks you up and like sucks you into its face. It it was horrifying, especially in this game because like by the time that you get there, you know you're like low on life and whatever. You have a, yeah. a ton of blood echo, so you need to get back to to level up, and then just out of nowhere. You get picked up by nothing. Like you start levitating and the, oh my 
goodness, yeah, yeah, that freaked me out. That part because it, it's a it's it's a a physical manifestation of what you were talking about earlier. How um, uh, Lovecraft would define things vaguely, so your brain has to kind of make up what this thing actually was. Yeah, and that's what. Oh my goodness, it got under my skin. So, and yeah. then you then it things change later on in the game, and you actually get to see them, and they're still terrifying. So, yeah, yeah, this game is a nightmare. It's a nightmare that but I really, really enjoy. It's I so I think weird. like the thing is like so we've been talking about it that we both really like this game, mm-hmm. um, and I I think the things that stand out to me are like this has some of the most meaningful combat and. Mm-hmm like combat loops and just progression loops that I've ever played in a game. Like mm-hmm. Dark Souls as a as a general and Bloodborne in particular, like you can see their fingerprints, especially when it comes to combat in other games. Mm-hmm. And you and I sort of have even talked about this. Like the thing that that makes it really hard for me to play Breath of the Wild is that the combat is so sort of like bare bones. And I've experienced this really deep and rich combat system that bloodborne Mm -hmm. has and i'm kind of like i'm not saying that every game needs to be as technical or as complex as bloodborne but like man it'd be nice to get something a little beefier yeah (laughs) but but you can i mean like even the i would say like the 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 god of war reboot in -hmm. a lot of ways that combat has a much more strategic intentional feel that i think is direct lineage from bloodborne yeah, and 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 just like we, I think we're we're sort of throwing Bloodborne out there as sort of a proxy for all of the Souls games in general, and mm-hmm. that the things that these games do right is, is specific, specifically with with combat and stuff are noticeable and good, and actually I think help. Like, uh, okay, so like one of the things that we didn't talk specifically about this, but the heavy swing, light swing. Mm-hmm. And like that's all shoulder buttons. It's all R one, R two, L one, L two kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The, like the the actual face buttons are used for other things entirely, and that's a stroke of genius in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I yeah, just def- it, it feels it feels really good to play once you learn how to play it. Um, yeah. for sure, yes, it, it for does. Sure. And it, you know, you, again, it's kind of trial by fire in in how you're uh, supposed to learn how to play the game. Um, and and yeah, one thing is, I was thinking about this 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 past week um, that I did want to say as well is I do recognize that, especially from software, that sometimes the the Dark Souls games can seem like a fluke. Sometimes these this um, the battle mechanics, the the way that these games are made, the gameplay of these games, it, it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere and it was done so well, you know, by these dedicated people. And don't get me wrong, it, it is to a certain extent. But like, this has come from years, decades of like fine tuning yeah. this type of gameplay. Because before yeah. Dark Souls, there was what, Kingsfield? And there were like four of those games. Mm, I mean, there yeah, is it, something like is that. Kingsfield, the one I'm thinking of, or am I? I'm but like, sh- I'm pretty sure that Kingsfield was a series prior to this. They're like first person dungeon crawlers that are somewhat similar to Dark. They're similar in spirit to Dark Souls, but I just mean to say that like 
it has come with uh, lots and lots of fine tuning from other systems in order to create something like this. And that's, yeah, yeah that's why I think that this is a hallmark um, is because it does so many things well. Um, even it's very intricate. It's very intentional with a lot of what it does. Um, and it, it feels very like a very um, well-crafted experience. Like it, yeah. in, it's very fine-tuned. Yeah, it's very, definitely. very, you know, for lack of a better word, it's very intentional. It's mm-hmm. very, it's it's almost over-engineered in a cer- yeah. to a certain degree. But yeah. that's sort of the beauty of that is mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and it does. I mean, you, it's not a super long game. I mean, it's probably 20, 25 hours, depending on your skill level. I, I was going to say, like, it took me considerably longer than that because, the, okay. you, you know, I I tend to be, well, and some That's of that true. is I tend to be slower. I tend to be mm-hmm. just like a little neurotic when it comes to areas. Like, I'm like, I want to find all the secrets. I want to like, sort of like, yeah, I want to get to know this space on, on a... I, I was going to use the word intimate, uh, but that's that's kind of a uh, this makes me feel weird. But I, <laughs> I I want to to sort of at least get a a little bit of mastery. You want to explore all the every nook and cranny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, y- you're right. You're right. It's because I had played the other Dark Souls games um, that I kind of you know understood the combat. Um, yeah, you already had the context, right? And on top of that, like I said, there were areas I missed. So I did not explore absolutely everything. So it took me that. But I mean, I, I, that's even how the Dark Souls games played out for me. The first Dark Souls, I put 60 hours in. And it's not a 60-hour game. But I was like uh, grinding. Uh, I was trying yeah. to seek out other things. So yeah, that, totally. Um, but I will say it's not an overly long game. And it does no. um, allow for multiple playthroughs. It has New Game Plus up to like plus six which is just crazy if you're an absolute masochist because uh, it gets more difficult every time you play uh so in and their chalice dungeons that we didn't even talk about which are just areas like randomized areas with randomized bosses that mm-hmm. you fight in order to get loot um so you can equip them to your weapons to do greater damage so um there's a lot in this game you can play this game for a long time and replay it and play mm-hmm. it different ways like um because of how much, because of how fine tuned it is, um, it is, it allows you to play it in different ways and and find new things each time. So, and and I think part of the storytelling kind of encourages that as well to continue playing and notice new things every time, um, which is what I'm tempted to do, but I I I shouldn't I shouldn't I'm probably not going to um, because well, I mean just postpone it. Yes, right. Postpone it. I mean, yeah, wait until later because what we have coming up, we've mentioned it multiple times, Bioshocktober. Join yep. us as we go through Bioshock. Bioshock is also somewhat horror. It certainly has some spooky horror elements to it. Oh, yeah. There's there's some very distinctly unsettling sort of elements to that game. Mm, all right. So I'm I'm stoked to jump in. To, to swim my way into rapture and figure out what that is. Now that I'm done with uh, the Atlas Shrugged, I'm I'm stoked to to see you know what what its uh, ideas of objectivism uh, come through in Bioshock. 
Um, so join us in Bioshocktober. We'll, you know, shoot out some tweets and stuff like that. And hopefully we can all talk about it as we're going through Bioshock this October as our, yeah. our spooky game of October in 2020. Um, but now that yeah. we've talked about Bloodborne for, you know, an hour uh, or, or longer, it's probably been longer than that. Um, if you think we missed anything, if there's anything that uh, we should have talked about, or or if you just want to tell us to shut up, that's fine too. Um, you can do that over on Twitter. <laughs> Our handle is at. I'd, I'd rather they not do that part. Hey, I, I, I don't mean it. to interrupt you. Just stop it. But <laughs> don't yeah don't 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 do that. Don't. <laughs> like listen if you if you don't if you don't like listening, you can stop. Just say that. But uh, if you do like listening, if you, you do like listening, well then do you know do the things Josh is about like to tell that. you. Pay attention to what he's about to say. <laughs> Rate and review, subscribe. Uh we also have a Patreon if you're interested in in uh that. Just think of it as a little digital tip jar. Um, but you can also contact us. Our email is thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com. We have the hashtag backlog book club on Facebook, which is probably where we'll be talking about Bioshock as well. Um, and mm-hmm. then we do have a Discord server. So jump in that. Let us know. Uh, and you can you can reach out to us personally if you want you know, a link to the Discord or anything like that. Um, PSN, GG, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. I generally go by Broccolope. It's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. And Nate goes by. Nate underscore McKeever. Oh yeah, uh, and just to let you know, if you you know if you couldn't tell by the uh, plug we had in the middle of our episode, we are part of the Play Well Network, um, and we have yes. a lot of fun with those Indeed. guys and their podcasts. Uh, you can check us all out at playwellnetwork.com for a list of our current podcasts and and get into some other nerdy stuff as well. Hmm. And did you have any other thoughts on Bloodborne? I know I kind of just like sped us along here. No, I I think like it's a good game. Yeah, it's definitely I, I would throw out a bit of a caveat. This is not for everybody, right? Yes, I I think you know this this game is for you know for lack of a better term the hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you are not prepared to sort of like be punished, well then. Right. Just avoid the game. Yeah. There, there is a certain, uh, you know, I, with Persona 5, I said that it takes a commitment to play that game. Yeah. In a different way, this game also takes a commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah, for because sure. Because you need to learn it. And it mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, it doesn't pull its punches. Uh, so you learn by doing, you learn by dying, you learn by getting back up again and trying again. And if if you are prone to getting frustrated at games or or if you just don't like the aesthetic, if this doesn't do anything for you, you know, you you don't like the body horror, the insanity, the madness, all that, then fine. I mean, that's totally cool. I'm not yeah. saying um, that you have to like this game. No, I'm not an elitist in that sense. I would say that this is, uh, in my mind, it is a must play um, because right now it is so accessible with PS5 mm-hmm. talking about how you it's on the you know PS Plus collection that they're doing, yeah. uh, you can find it for ten dollars uh, used. I if mean, you even pick if you I get mean, a so brand easy. new copy of like the complete collection or whatever for twenty bucks, it's a heck of mm-hmm. a deal. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, it's and a steal. 
Right. And so, like, sure, if you don't have a PlayStation, would I recommend you get one for this? Huh. Uh, you know, among other I mean, things. It's, among it's other kind things. of what you did. <laughs> right. Right. It was on the top of the list of games that I wanted to play. There were certainly yeah. others as well, but it was the top of the list. Um, so, so when I say a must play, I'm not saying like every gamer should go out and buy a PlayStation 4, but I'm saying like it is easy to access right now. So try it. Try yeah. it. And, and with the caveat that it will take a commitment. It's not like you won't figure out if you like it within the first first 30 minutes. No, um, oh no, oh no. Because it's going to oh, beat you down. And get used to dying. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you're so. going to do that a lot. But Well, Josh, I think I, our podcast have, just died. Oh, no, I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> uh, but, no, but we've sort of done the things that we came here to do uh what should our dear listeners our our beautiful listeners do you guys keep beating down your backlogs we'll keep breaking down the benefits and the final word goes to master willem we are born of the blood made men by the blood undone by the blood our eyes are yet to open fear the old blood creepy.